everybody. Welcome back for another installment of Radio Gripe. Uh, this is uh, your, your Gripe and His Show, uh, and I'm your... Gripe and His Toast. Gripe and His Toast. That's where it works. Uh, my name is Joe. I'm Jen. And uh, yeah, we're just here to talk a little bit of shit. Um, I'll be honest, uh, the last couple of weeks have still been pretty busy. We're still kind of playing catch up on some things. After all the backyard construction, uh, extra work shifts for Jen, and... Uh, everything else going on so we're gonna we're gonna cover just a little bit of what's been in the news lately and then we're gonna play uh one of our older episodes um poverty jams i think is what we called that one initially episode Mm -hmm. six um we're about to hit our one year anniversary of doing this show here so uh we've we've prepared our uh patreon exclusive episode i've got just a few more things to work out on it we'll be releasing that here in the next couple of days so if you're a patreon member um just go and sign into patreon or you might be able to get a link in the email i will figure out exactly how that works (laughs) uh, to make sure that you get access to it um and in that one we're just gonna spend nearly two hours just talking about uh rock music specifically of the 2000 to 2010 era uh, with a little bit of deep dive here and there about you know music so we hope you enjoy that one. If you want to hear it and you're not a Patreon member yet, go check it out. Uh, you can join pretty low and uh, be part of the community. Black Sparrow is ramping up a whole lot of things. Um, we're trying to get the chat book up and off the ground. Uh, the venue is going to be reopening soon with some new additions. Details on that as they kind of coalesce. Yeah, stay tuned. I didn't want to come into this show with that. I was going to download a soundboard app so I could just... Hit the fanfare sound when you say we're just celebrating our one-year anniversary. Uh-huh. I just grabbed one that's free, but apparently this is a three-free-day free day trial, and after that, it's $33 a year. That's pretty hefty just for some buttons that make sounds. It is pretty stupid. Um, well, you got to have a subscription to a, a button well, app. Well, I get three days free, so if I subscribe... Actually, I don't like that. I'm going to forget, and it's going to, it's going to cost me $33. Mm. Tricky thing about soundboards these days, uh, a lot of the apps that you'll get like out of a out of an app store, uh, they're going to have tons of memes, like audio memes, that you'll have no fucking context for. Yeah, this is meme sound. Yeah. I had, uh, The one you were looking at a minute ago, I used to have. Oh. And, uh, yeah, back when it was free all the way, and... Um, there is maybe, I don't know, five out of a hundred buttons that I understood. Yeah. Don't know that we deserve that much, but okay. That's a little much. It's a little much. How about this? Oh. Okay. That's even more. Well, it's short and sweet, though. Uh, anyway, sorry, moving on. Any uh, opinions or beef aired here on the show we're trying do not represent the opinions of KBSR as a whole. Uh, we're just glad to be on the network. They gave us this little opportunity to make this dialogue and invite you into it. And you can be part of it if you want. We've got an email. It's we're trying show at gmail.com. Engage us. Engage us. I dare you. So moving on and jumping straight into it. Uh, got a few things to talk about this week uh i'm gonna go ahead and open up with uh one of the bad ones i mean let's face it it's the news it's all bad but um in uh, some local news here we're all pretty familiar with uh the 
the saga of Robert Chody, a former sheriff, uh, currently uh, going through a court case over destruction of evidence and the death of uh, Javier Ambler III, uh, who died in police custody while being filled by live PD. Uh, those tapes were subsequently destroyed. You're okay. Welcome. Yeah, that You're was welcome for that. That worked. Um, so that's been you know going on, and you can uh, check out some of our past episodes and you know catch some of those details if you want. Uh, there is another lawsuit that's emerged over the last few weeks uh, that I wanted to bring up, though. Uh, Deputy Zachary Camden and J.J. Johnson, uh, who were involved in that scene with Javier Ambler III, they were they were on scene for that. Three months after that incident. Uh, Ramsey Mitchell got pretty fucked up by him. So there was an incident there. There was, it's reported that essentially with live PD, what was happening is that Robert Chody and live PD were really trying to use the deputies for entertainment. There are reports that, uh, you know, he had kind of his stars amongst his deputies and he would actually tell 911 dispatch to route calls away from those officers so that they could, have live PD roll around with them. Focus and, on the entertainment value of policing. Yeah, and these are these are public servants uh, that are being paid by our tax dollars who are not being used properly. And uh, there was one incident in particular where uh, one of the people from live PD had said that within about 10 minutes, they pulled over around eight cars and they were just kind of looking for something entertainment worthy. And each time they would just kind of like let people go after about 30 seconds because they realized there wasn't anything there. They ended up pulling over this guy, uh, Ramsey Mitchell, and uh, they phoned in for backup, told him to stay in his car. And they phoned in. When I say backup, I mean they phoned in for the camera crew (laughs) to make sure that they could get there to capture all this. Uh, They told him to come out of his car. Now, admittedly, he came out of his car and he turned to run away, which is not a good thing to do. A lot of people get killed that way. This guy is not black, he's white, so he wasn't shot down immediately. Uh, but they they went after him, and uh, they beat him for about two minutes, a little over two minutes, uh, even after he appeared to be unconscious. Uh, so here's a list of some of his injuries. Two broken teeth, a torn tendon, dislocated elbow, broken nose, and crushed orbital socket. That's that piece around uh, around your eyeball, part of your skull there. All right, when you get kicked in the face. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Injury. There was also a concussion, memory loss, busted eardrum, partial blindness in one eye because of the orbital socket, fractured jaw, pinched nerves in the jaw, spinal damage, and other injuries which required surgery. Uh, he was, of course, denied medical treatment. Um, if you see the mugshots of this guy, there's two of them because whenever they gave him his first mugshot, he is a bloody fucking mess. Mm-hmm. So they took another mugshot of him a week to two weeks later, and he's still very visibly injured. You know, his eye sockets fucking cracked open, his eyes swollen shut. He's got scuffs and abrasions all over him. And it is even documented on these tapes about how uh, after he had regained consciousness, he was immediately asked, are you from around here? Where are you from? And he said he wasn't from Williamson County. Uh, And the reply for that was, well, this is how we do it in Wilco. And, uh, yeah, like, one of these cops was seen, like, slamming down on him with his knee. Like, this is a really, really gross abuse of force. And Did any of this make it to live PD? Just curious. I don't know how much of it did. They might have ended up cutting it, but live PD... 
Wikipedia was there for this, and People those don't tapes usually, were not destroyed. They don't tune into these cop show. They tune in to see cops lionized, and they don't tune in to see and um, you know, the dregs of society for, and their antics. Uh, they don't tune in to see brutal beatings. No, they generally. don't tune in for police brutality. They want to see, they want to see trashy people uh, getting arrested. You know, they want to see cops doing dangerous stuff. You know, so I don't know if this one really made it to air or not, but the footage is out there and uh, the lawsuit is kind of moving forward against these guys. These two guys did carry that moniker of, uh, I can't believe I'm saying it, Wilco Badasses. That was a special like designation that Jody gave to some of his officers that he rewarded with gift cards to steakhouses for use of force. Right. Like, again, we've, we've covered all this on the show before, so it shouldn't be too much of a surprise uh, if you're a regular listener or if you live in Williamson County and just pay attention to the news. Um, yeah, Wilco sheriffs and deputies, y'all really need to get your shit together. I'm glad that we got a new sheriff in there. and he's, new sheriff in town. He's not going to be, uh, hopefully, uh, going that same route. And he he should hope to... does not have an official policy of rewarding police brutality with right. uh, gifts of monetary value. He also has no desire to be a celebrity and be on TV, which is kind of that was Robert Chody's whole deal. He didn't care about being a cop and providing public safety. He simply wanted to be a celebrity. And so he used his position as sheriff to kind of terrorize and abuse the public uh, for TV show ratings. Just one of the many reasons why these type of shows are so wrongheaded and problematic. Um, yeah, I would recommend the podcast series Running From Cops. Uh, that I had listened to, let's see, host Dan Tversky and his team watched nearly 850 episodes of the show and tallied what they saw roughly four times the amount of violent crime that there is in real life, three times as many drug crimes, ten times as uh, the amount of prostitution. It gives a very skewed idea about what police work actually is mm -hmm. and how it's conducted and a very skewed idea of the world outside your door. Right. And uh, interviews some people who, yeah, had the most traumatic, you know, maybe one of the most traumatic days of their lives, you know, uh, whether they're acting appropriately or not, uh, whether they're sober or not, uh, put put on display for, for everyone to mock um, and kind of what that's like. Uh, but yeah, that's a good listen. Mm. Check that one out. Other local news, just real quick. Good news that... Uh... In Houston, they have recovered the tiger uh, that had escaped, uh, an illegally owned tiger. Oh, they recovered it alive? Yeah, the from tiger what I understand, was on the loose they, they, in they found the tiger. That, uh, um, I guess, had been hijacked by a murderer. I did not get the whole Some story. Such. Yeah, and then the tiger ran and disappeared into a crowd of tigers, and so they had a hard time finding They're it. They're striped, so that's kind of what they do. They blend in with <laughs> they, other tigers they blend in, in, an in urban environment. In an urban environment, yeah. <laughs> Um, so remember that next time you want to blend in, just uh, wear some tiger stripe. They did apprehend the suspect prior to apprehending the, <laughs> the tiger. tiger. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that was probably his, his last move. Once he realized he was getting arrested, it's just like, well, I got to set this tiger free. <laughs> Be free, Sheba. Come find me. You're free, Kevin. <laughs> so also, uh, if you've paid any attention, not only to news, but especially social media, you're probably seeing a lot of the conversation around uh, jobs. So a lot of people are getting vaccinated. We're, we're rolling back a lot of the stuff about uh, COVID lockdowns and everything. A lot of businesses are trying to reopen. And there's a large conversation about, uh, about the availability of workforce. And uh, you got a lot of, a lot of your uh, smarmy businesses 
who are putting up signs that say like, oh, we're closed. Nobody wants to work. Yeah, well, I, I haven't seen that IRL, but yeah, you've yeah, seen like, that going around the internet. I haven't seen it in, in person, uh, but this has been happening a whole lot. And I'm on a I'm on a Facebook group for the service industry in Austin, and uh, I'm seeing a whole lot of it side by side with posts by people who own businesses who are saying like, hey, we're hiring. We need a full staff. We closed for quite some time, and now we're trying to reopen, and none of our people want to come back. You know, there is a funny thing there that... Uh, pe- people are saying like, "Oh, nobody wants to work anymore. It's weird. I guess it's I guess it's the welfare." Uh, the, the truth is, nobody wanted to work a year ago or two years ago, but we really kind of felt a little powerless about it. And I think that this last year has maybe got people. I don't even I don't know if the word empowered is the right word, but I think people have been a little bit more fed up and they're less willing to take the shit uh, that is usually given to them by a lot of shitty companies. I could tell you this, anybody who's worked in the service industry for the last year, my condolences, my heart goes out to you. Mm-hmm. Even if you were able to, let's say you, you know, uh, you're waiting tables at a restaurant that's operating at 25% capacity. Mm-hmm. So you're actually earning 25% of the tips that you're accustomed to making. And still only getting that $2 hourly wage. Right. You, and you are still, um, you're living in a world as I was <laughs> where the dominant sentiment seems to be, oh, I'm so bored. I have to work from home now. I, I can't leave the house. I'm going stir crazy. I've watched everything on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And you find that you actually have very little free time, even less money. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're facing um, a higher risk every single time you go to work and interact with the public. And then to make things worse... You got the babies with uh, coming in and throwing the temp- temper tantrums because they don't want to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. I heard they just passed a law that it's legal to trip children uh, who are running around restaurants, which that's a good legislative win. <laughs> I would guess that's some small comfort. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, anybody who's had to deal with these sorts of people, um, you know, when this is when this is all over, we're not going to forget we're not going to forget who you are. Yeah. <laughs> these, these bad actors. Yeah. Um, no, I think that if anything, I should hope that this is kind of the sign of maybe uh, some, some retribution or some, some comeuppance uh, for working class people who have been kind of just uh, held at the whims of, uh, well, I don't want to say corporate overlords, but I mean, you know, you get the gist. Um, and now people are kind of realizing a little bit more about their self-worth what their time is worth and and what their identity is worth. And so people aren't ready to go back to shilling themselves out for a company that does not care about them, uh, which is fully understandable. I'm in the service industry. I'm fortunate enough to work for a really good company that is more about the people and the staff than it is about a bottom line. Uh, the customers are more important than the bottom line. The staff is more important than the bottom line and all those things. And it's turning up okay for us. We're, we're building, we're getting better and, uh, we, we've got a foothold now, but it was, it was a struggle kind of just staying on through, uh, you know, the lockdown of the last year, but there's a lot of places that I, I could easily imagine not ever wanting to go back to after all this. You know, thinking like, oh, well, things are starting to get back to, quote unquote, normal. Do I want to go back to Applebee's and deal with all that shit again? Of course not. 
you know, I just spent the last year kind of hanging on by a thread and, and, and Applebee's didn't fucking care about me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Applebee's is just an example. I've got no particular beef no with them. No particular gripe with Applebee's. Yeah. Um, you did you did pick a restaurant that we have here in town. One of the, I don't know, five chain restaurants that no, exist yeah. here in town. I forget about that. Uh, you should go check that place out sometimes. I've heard good no. things about Applebee's. <laughs> uh, this, have you guys, anybody heard of Applebee's? Get at us at show at gmail.com. Uh yeah, so um, just as, as part of that ongoing conversation, we'll kind of maybe do another dive on that and kind of throw out some stats and talk with some people. Um, you feel free to get at us and give us your take on that. Like I said, we're trying to show at gmail.com. Also follow our Instagram, Radio Gripe TX. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, late stage capitalism is kind of my preferred topic. That's what I really enjoy kind of talking about and, it's, and bitching about. I mean, about. it's an underlying theme of the entire fucking show, I'd say. Yeah, I would think so. We will revisit this topic uh, after the opening model, op- opening dialogue of the show. <laughs> it's not quite, you know, I, I'm kind of the, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of the Ed McMahon to Joe's, uh, what, Johnny Carson? Is that? Yeah. Is that the correct combination of old, you are correct. Of old men? Um. Because uh, yes. this is this is Joe's prepared monologue, but uh, we will revisit the topic of profits over people um, with our musical top five mm-hmm. after uh, after the break. just it's kind of fun to point this one out and this is not really worth a deep dive i don't think but uh uh congresswoman uh was she in congress liz cheney uh she was an elected official and she's she's, uh, well she's replaced now anyway i want to say she was in congress she might have been in senate or something else but shouldn't we know who she is she's the like not the speaker but not the whip but well, she was ousted from her position in House leadership uh, yeah. due to um, exposing, what was it, the big lie, as, as, as it was called. She just won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> she just will not just get along to go along. Well, um, and that's the thing is that people didn't want her to show up when she, whenever she was pro-Trump because she was. But then she had a turnaround and she, she had a realization that that was not the right way to be doing things. And that's when she called out, uh, it's being called the big lie, uh, that the Republicans are telling themselves that they are, you know, still committed to their values, uh, and yet in support of Donald Trump. And so this, uh, turned the whole relationship sour between her and the rest of the GOP. 
uh, people started calling for her resignation and people wanted to vote her out. And uh, my understanding is that they have. She has been removed uh, basically internally. The, this was not a vote that was open to the public or anything, but she's been taken out of her position by her colleagues and the GOP, which it's kind of funny you know, for, for the party that rails against cancel culture all the time, uh, they're, they're actually really quick to uh, ostracize uh, this person and, and yeah, banish them. They published this Orwellian letter um, justifying the removal of uh, Liz Cheney and uh, uh, her replacement with a, a more pro-Trump, mm-hmm. pro, I guess... It's weird that we're still talking about this. He's no longer the president, but there are many elected officials who physically are incapable of saying that yeah. um, Joe Biden won the election legitimately. I saw a super cut of that the other day, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's very important to kind of maintain, uh, if you want to maintain a good relationship with your most vocal sort of minority, the most vocal minority of Republican constituents who believe that the election was fraudulent, mm-hmm. then it's very important that you choose your words carefully. You say things like, Joe Biden is the president. Like it or not, that is the way it is right right now. Now, yeah. how we got to that place, I cannot say. Yeah, yeah. I might, you know, uh, a, a, a fair election? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not going to, I'm not going to commit to that. Yeah. Um, no, they're, they're dodging that question like they're in the matrix or something. Uh, so in a somewhat Orwellian turn, you have this letter that says, um, unlike the, you know, liberal Democrat party, we, um, support, uh, ideological, you know, disagreements and, uh, um, you know, open debate and freedom of speech. Therefore, really well. therefore really well. Liz Cheney, get her the fuck out. <laughs> We support uh, ideological disagreements and debates and freedom of speech, so you shut the fuck up. Yeah, I think that it's it's telling, the reason to bring it up is because this is going to have to be something that does get brought up uh, over and over. The same way that we talk about uh, Tucker Carlson and his influence on the masses, uh, we need to talk about the influence that Donald Trump still has on uh, the GOP. I think that it's actually really telling and, and kind of concerning that this party which is becoming more and more fractured uh has has the vocal minority as you say of trump supporters uh who are really kind of holding on to it and that's opening the door for people like marjorie taylor green who is just bombastic in how how absurd (laughs) her support is like she's got a big open window now and she has the mic to talk to people and that's only going to get worse and worse as people kind of... Oh my God, she gives she gives me the creeps. Yeah. Did you see that video? Her um, yelling through the mail slot in AOC's yelling. door. Yeah, this was yeah. this was a couple of years ago before she had achieved her elected uh, office. But yeah, um, it's just vibes of high school bullies. There's or a little bullying. Yeah. Really, she's been going after AOC a lot. And it's so it's so weird because they're like. They're like, come out and play and clinking their bottles together outside the office. Yeah, right. And then laughing and being like, this is ridiculous. I mean, isn't this creepy? And I'm like, yes, yes, yeah. you are. Yeah. But they mean her, I guess, because they're under the impression that she's in there hiding behind her desk or something. It's fucking weird. Yeah, I don't know. Well, AOC has come out to say that, you know, just 
when asked for comment about it, she'll just say, I think that Representative Green is deeply unwell and it needs needs professional help. They call, In the video, they keep calling her crazy eyes. And then the video pans to uh, MTG and you're like, who the fuck are you calling crazy eyes? Yeah, no. Yeah, she's looking in the fucking mirror when she says that. Um, but yeah, that that divide that we're starting to see in the Republican Party where more and more people are going to break away from what we've traditionally known uh, as a conservative, which is, you know, theocratic, misogynistic, uh, just against minorities in general. Um, Like, that's something that we've just kind of had and like, okay, you guys. But now we're actually really seeing that march towards insane Orwellian practices. And like, that's just making it the norm now. So, yeah. uh, Sorry, Liz Cheney. You did have to go. Uh, I guess it was just your time, uh, and I hope that you serve as a lesson, uh, not in for other people to keep quiet, but for uh, what's happening to the Republican Party. Lesson for who? For I mean, the... I I feel, I feel like she just decided she just didn't have an out. Like, yeah, she. I mean, she can condone this um, election lie, uh, and I don't. Know, I I feel like you're. I don't know. You're like Mitt Romney's and your Chuck Grassley's. Mm-hmm. We're we're uh, kind of hoping. Maybe that if they made some sort of ideological stand, other Republicans would follow. So the simple truth is nobody wants to be attacked and bullied by Trump and Trump supporters. Right. And um, I don't feel like I feel like Liz Cheney felt like she really didn't have a choice. Sure. And that's that's the funny thing about we we know the Republicans are, are a lockstep party. You know, I mean, if honestly, if Satan himself decided to run as a Republican, they would back him because they know that he would get votes. Like, they, they have no morals. Uh, they only have I mean, their might, own preservation in mind. It might take a little bit of time. There's going to be some infighting initially when it's still, you know, maybe there's a chance that Cruz, uh, you know, can get in there. But mm-hmm. people coalesce around power. Yeah, it's true. And yeah, that, that happens time and time again. You do not want to lose power. And so you they're, they're very good at remaining united regardless. Yeah. And that's the thing is that... Uh, how you say with Romney and uh, Grassley, like kind of like, well, I'll take an ideological stance here and, and try to remind or, or try to state what I think that, you know, the Republican Party really does need to be about and uh, have not so lockstep anymore. You know, like I say, a fractured party. But on the thought of people staying in power and kind of doing whatever it takes and everything, what this what this kind of makes me think of uh, Netanyahu. Look, it's, this is this one's tricky. Let me let me open this up by saying there needs to be a broader conversation about separating uh, the nation state of Israel with the people of Israel and the Jewish faith. I don't necessarily think that we need to let the nation of Israel speak for the faith of the Jewish people. It's really hard to criticize the state of Israel without apparently without coming off as anti-Semitic. But I think that it's actually really important to do that. We've seen over the last few years a couple of times where this guy Netanyahu has, uh, you know, lost the popular vote but retains power. And uh, it's a really complex issue between Israel and Palestine. But what we do know for sure is that Palestinian people are basically being genocided. And most of the world is just kind of standing back because nobody wants to criticize Israel too much. And I think we really need to have that conversation about separating the politics from the belief system and the peoples, right? If you pay any attention to the news over the last week, then you've seen uh, 
stories about the violence, which is uh, flashed up again along the Gaza Strip. With uh, it's it started uh, ostensibly with Hamas firing rockets into Israel, and then Israel's like really heavy-handed response to that, and they are destroying the Gaza Strip right now. This could be a story from anywhere in the last 20 years sure or any any time in the last 20 years yeah it's it's a long ongoing conflict and there's other aspects at play in this namely iran so uh iran who uh does support hamas and is has been uh seeking nuclear capabilities for some years they really don't like israel as a nation state and i can kind of understand now i'm not going to agree with them for supporting hamas or anything like that but there was a thing from some years ago uh, called Stuxnet. This actually started in Bush Jr.'s term, and it was continued and finally executed in Obama's term. There, there's a great episode by Darknet Diaries called Stuxnet, A-T-U-X-N-E-T. Um, and this was a nation-state-sponsored hacking campaign which targeted Iran's uh, nuclear program to put it off and, and delay them in order to uh, develop uh, enriched uranium products and have nuclear power mm-hmm. and this was state-sponsored it's not you know admitted to by anybody on the books but it is actually pretty well documented that mm-hmm. it happened and we uh when i say we i mean uh, the u.s and israel teamed up and they they hacked centrifuges in iran and you know made them break and they kind of like messed with the whole uh uranium enrichment program over there iran has been pretty mad about this for a while and it's kind of understood whenever you're trying to do your thing and other nations just won't whether whether or not they need enriched uranium that's another conversation the fact is is that this was one of the first times we've seen this in the modern century of a nation state sponsored hacking attack that has that has gone after some kind of infrastructure like this and so that's that's been pissing iran off for a few years plus um israel has been very aggressive towards iran and uh that's why iran has picked up hamas look it's a very big complicated subject but what people are pointing to is that iran is kind of the one poking the bear and and making these conflicts kind of like get up off of the ground uh and really all that's causing is for the palestinian people to be uh even more assaulted and attacked and facing even more danger because yeah it's like you you poke israel behind the back and israel turns around and immediately attacks palestine you know palestine is not the one who is harboring hamas and trying to attack israel like this it's actually uh, iran that's doing that so it's really complicated but we need to fucking confront that we need to have a conversation about the state of israel being really belligerent and being very brutal to the palestinian people uh for one step forward, it's three steps back. And as you say, that's been the story for two decades now. Oh, at least. I, I Sometimes I forget what decade it is, but yeah. Yeah. So, well, stay tuned on that one. And if you do decide to read into it, make sure that you read in a lot to it and read into the background of it. Because it's not as simple as uh, Israel fighting terrorists. Uh, it's, it's far more complex than that. I don't know. I feel like it shouldn't be controversial for me to say that... Palestine exists and that the uh, Palestinian people had their land taken away, Mm -hmm. uh, which led to a sort of permanent shantytown on the border and Mm -hmm. that there should be limits to uh, Israeli expansion. Uh, I apparently it is apparently it's super controversial for me to say that. Yeah. 
that there shouldn't be people living in abject poverty um, that are that are powerless, that there shouldn't be racist aggression towards um, people living near or in Israel right uh, who are Muslim. Um, I, I don't know, that seems uncontroversial that we shouldn't be seeing these acts of brutality committed that that kids throwing rocks should not be you know mowed down by semi-automatic weapon fire right it seems uncontroversial to me i don't know uh if you disagree hit us up at we're trying show at gmail.com and explain to us why we're anti-semites yeah i mean go ahead and bring it like we're if you've ever listened to the show you would know that what we want to stand up for is the oppressed and we want to talk about human rights abuses and we want to talk about the abuse of power uh, that that is all over the world and that's really all this is jen and i are atheists we give no fuck about how you want to worship and uh yeah that's fine i'm i'm fine with people doing that i don't think this needs to be a conversation about uh belief it needs systems to be a conversation about race or religion right but well that that was also a very tough topic to just wrap up and walk away from so uh here's some music <laughs> You're okay welcome. yeah that You're was welcome for that that worked um so uh before we get on to our uh retread of some good old music top five uh i got one more little piece of fun news that i wanted to read out here bees we all love bees right except for macaulay culkin i guess um yeah uh our uh, station manager shannon uh recently yeah. had some magical and frightening encounters with yeah bees uh, <laughs> delighted to hear that story yeah this bees is... uh bees have been following shannon around uh and uh but i mean you know not in some kind of aggressive trying way trying to tell her something maybe yeah just trying to be like hey set set up a little home find the place that's <laughs> right for you keep don't stop searching till you find it right uh well some researchers over in i want to say sweden can't even remember to tell you the truth right now but they did a little bit of work uh with some bees and they found out that bees can detect uh, COVID infections actually very quickly, whereas traditional they can, they scientific testing... They can be testing, trained in a few minutes. Yeah. Traditional scientific testing will take uh, a couple of days to really kind of detect the uh, COVID infection within a sample. Uh, bees can do it, like, mad quick. And what they do is they, you know, show the bees samples uh, because insects actually have really good sense of smell. Uh and so bees are one of them, and this is not the first time that we've done a study that points that out. Bees carry their olfactory senses on their antenna, which mm -hmm. is pretty much how they use to explore the world in every way. Yeah. And so they would show the bees a, a sample of uh, COVID-infected tissue and then give the bees sugar water. So what this means is a, by simple association, whenever the bee comes into uh, proximity of a COVID infected sample, it will automatically stick its tongue out Sticks looking for long, some sugar water. Tongue out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they've been able to find out that uh, bees, bees can detect these things really quickly. Now, prior to COVID, there was already research occurring into a bee's ability to smell out different uh, diseases mm -hmm. uh, that people might be suffering from. And um, yeah, it was easily adapted to COVID. Yeah. I think the one of one of the big takeaways that I wanted to hear more about, but they glossed over this, is they apparently put little harnesses on the bees because mm. you got to keep the bee in the same place. If you know what I mean, it can't just be all being about. I guess. Yeah. Take so for it. I'm just wondering what kind of what what this harness consists of. Is it just a is it just a string? Is it really just a string, or is it an actual like uh, 
tailored harness that kind of fits around the many legs and apparatus of a bee. Maybe like a nano macrame situation. Sure. I was kind of thinking, you know, something a little bit more bondage looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I don't know if you if you know anything about who makes bee harnesses and what that life is like. uh, Yeah. Hit us up with that. Put them in contact. I'd love to do that interview. Uh, Of course, the researchers, just to say, the researchers are also pointing out, like, they don't really want to use bees in this way. It's fascinating to know this about bees, um, but we're not trying to uh, turn bees into, (laughs) trying to turn bees into lab equipment, you know? Right. Yeah. And same for, uh, same for dogs. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's been a lot of research into, you know, dogs just have this great sense of smell. Um, I don't know, somewhere between bees and, and humans. I heard that a, a bee sense of smell is something like 300 times more powerful than wow. ours on average. Um, you know, dogs are somewhere somewhere up there. And they can be used to detect disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, all types of different diseases. Um, you know, you can, you can train them on uh, pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be what they specialize in. Um, they might uh, then be able to detect other types of cancer. Yeah. And they are being used. The most recent thing that pops up is uh, that there's a team of dogs uh, screening in Islamabad International in Pakistan. Um, close to 100% accuracy in detecting infections. Something like 99 point something percent. Uh, once they've been well trained and they're basically the, the dogs are isolated in a room and you bring them a sample of the uh, traveler's sweat, uh, which apparently is a method that's been proven to be non-infectious. Uh, hmm. The sweat does not transmit the uh, viral particles, but it does carry it to an extent, but it will carry. Yeah. It'll carry enough of the aroma um, for the dogs to, to make a positive or negative ID. And they've already, well, here it says 95% accuracy, these four dogs. It's not bad. Uh, no, not bad. Um, they've actually been able to um, sniff out several passengers that have been caught carrying fake negative certificates uh, who later tested positive for COVID-19. They yeah, were yeah. flagged by the dogs and detained long enough to get that COVID test to, um, to, con- to confirm that. <laughs> you know, also dogs have been... Yeah, trying to sniff out various forms of cancer. But obviously, yeah, the goal is also not to use the dogs in this way, to have this giant army of dogs that we use for disease detection. (laughs) I would hope not. Um, The goal is to understand how they do it. Um, We really just have a vague understanding of how the olfactory sense works. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, when you smell something, you're you're taking in microscopic particles of the, the thing that you're smelling. And the neurons in the brain are interacting with those receptors that are interacting with those molecules and sending signals about all the different types of molecules to coalesce around something like paint thinner Mm -hmm. or, you know, rose bush. Onions. Cinnamon toast. Yeah. Yeah. It's not totally clear how that works or how you would make a robotic version of that. But we're studying dogs and other uh, creatures with really keen olfactory senses to to learn how to outsource that um, mm-hmm. to uh, some sort of digital replica. I would kind of hope not, because in in the great uh, you know robotic sweep that will surely kind of hunt down and kill humans, 
them having the ability to smell, that's really going to seal the deal, I think. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to want your robot cop dogs um, having that type. Oh, yeah. And we talked about this on the last show, too. The robot cop dogs uh, that have been taken off the streets of New York City Mm -hmm. uh, due to some negative reactions from the general populace. I mean, for now. That was basically just, uh, I I feel like that was a, hey, let's uh, try it and see if we can. And everybody's like, no, but give it a few more years. It'll be be commonplace, I bet. And you had said that the robotics company that created the, those dogs uh, was the same uh, company that contributed their robot dogs to that Black Mirror episode. Correct. Uh, from season three. I think so, yeah. If anybody saw that one. Yeah. Yeah, wild shit. Um, so uh, there you go. Hey, hey, everybody. Bees, not bots. Uh I, I, there's a couple of beekeepers that we've been meeting lately. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, even uh, Julie Rydell on the network uh, knows quite a bit about it and messes yeah, around with some bees shout in the out backyard. To Julie Rydell. I did not know you were a beekeeper until I saw that in the uh, text thread. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty much our check in on uh, the, the wacky world of news over the last week, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna get on some other stuff next week and hope to be back kind of to our normal whatever that means show next week and uh start doing some some deep diving and maybe drinking again that one's rough man we recorded the patreon episode and we decided to do that one at night while drinking and yeah and it was a it was a two-hour ordeal uh (laughs) that's what we call our conversations (laughs) over over beers and music ordeals yeah and that was a two-hour ordeal. Probably a lot of editing uh, having to be done on Joe's part, too, because we do become less coherent as the show goes. I'm sure our I think long-time listeners It's not even so uh, much that. It's just uh, it's our, our ability to derail ourselves and then find, find one thing to go ahead and talk about for several minutes, which is part of the topic, but not really broadly the topic. Uh, that's, that's what happens more often. And we have those conversations away from the mic and you know, we can talk for four or five hours while drinking and have a great time and remember nothing we remember nothing, nothing. Of it later. and but... then have a, the identical conversation <laughs> the <next night. laughs> but that's also we don't we don't feel confined in those conversations which is why we can talk for four or five hours and just kind of talk about whatever whenever we're trying to talk about one thing <laughs> it's like it takes it takes a couple hours one to get everything thing. said yeah popular rock music uh, from 2000 to 2010. Yeah. Do not end up. Uh, we we do not have to talk about robot dogs uh, no. in this conversation. But you know we, we're going to. I think we did. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember much of it even after all the hours of editing is spent on it. So, uh, but yeah, look for that episode up on the Patreon uh, coming up soon, and uh, go check out everything else on the network. And uh, yeah, so we're gonna get into our music segment. Uh, you'll find that this, this, this one ages well, still just as relevant today as it was last year when we put it out, uh, some good jams. Hey everybody, it's Joe hopping in with your highly requested station break. I just want to say thank you for listening to our show and thanks for listening to KBSR. Uh, you know how we roll here. We are fully independent. Uh, we've got a big team of people that are all just kind of putting in their own time to provide all this stuff for you. 
and uh, we're we're funded and we help keep some of the lights on with the help of our Patreon community. A bunch of really cool people. You can go get in on that community too. Uh, you can just go to blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and there's a Patreon link that'll take you straight there. From that website, you can also stream the radio 24-7. So go check out all the great stuff on the network. Uh, we got shows like Career Taylor, we've got uh, Plowing Hose, we've got Storytime, uh, Feedback Loop, uh, Wall of Sound, Radio Free Abro, uh, and there's some, there's even more new and new stuff coming out all the time, I understand. Uh, yeah, so go do all that. Also, a big thanks to Trevor and the Mental State Fair for providing us that theme song, Dying in Texas. Uh, got to see him at the garage sale that we just did. We actually showed up just right as he was starting a live set, and so we got to hear him do that one uh, solo, and it was, it was really cool. Uh, thanks, Trev. Also, shout out to Alex Cuervo of Spectrostatic for giving us use of all his Spectrostatic catalog to do what we want to do with, so you'll probably hear a little bit of that here on this and all the other shows really good stuff go check him out on uh, he's got a band camp and he's got his own website he's on spotify and all that good stuff thanks alex yeah so uh we're gonna get back into it i'll let you listen to the rest of the show it's got a lot of good music and a little bit of discourse about uh you know what it's like to be under that poverty line anyway uh thanks for listening everybody let's get back to it back and we are talking about our top five songs that we just came up with uh that deal with economic anxiety poverty jams no let's be more straightforward because there's there's several songs that we have stricken out because they are more broadly about economic inequality yeah uh yeah no these are these are broke jams poverty jams poverty jam the least enjoyable jam okay uh but we're doing it nonetheless uh i'm gonna start off uh i definitely wanted to start off this jam session with a depression era slash dust bowl era song and my fave from this genre is uh what was originally a vaudeville song that was written by jimmy cox before the economic crisis that was the great depression while it predated the great depression by a few years and was a vaudeville song it was popularized by bethy uh, bessie smith in 29 as a vaudeville blues release uh that she was super well known for and suddenly, later that year, in 29, a whole lot of folks could relate to this song. It's been covered so many times by so many people in jazz, blues, folk, and gospel styles uh, that it was damn difficult for me to decide which version I wanted to use for this show. But I decided for this playlist to go with the Scrapper Blackwell version uh, because he was there doing Chicago blues in the thirties with Leroy Carr. And, uh, this song was actually recorded in around 61 and it actually sounds really good. So it's worth playing on this podcast. Uh, it was done just before Mr. Blackwell died. Uh, I think, I think in the seventies or early eighties, but, uh, yeah, here is, Nobody knows you when you're down and out. We all know the song. 
guess I live the life of a millionaire. Spending my money now, did not care. Can't my friends, I'd for a good time. Buying bootleg liquor, champagne and wine. Lord, but I got busted and I feel so low. Didn't have no money and no where to go. This is the truth, Lord, without a doubt. Nobody wants you when you're down. I mean, nobody wants you when you're down. Lord, the other day I had some man for my ring. He told me for the money he had spent. But I tried my best to try one or two. That's everything that I could do. Lord, nobody let me have one lousy dime. And I kept worrying now all the time. But I'm gonna tell you this is true. Lord, without a doubt, nobody wants you when you're down. Nobody wants you. Uh, yeah, that's a really great song. I don't really know about Scrapper Blackwell. Uh, it's a good thing that this little top five thing is doing for us is you keep bringing up stuff that I hadn't heard about, thought about, whatnot. Yeah, that was a really great kind of sad and lazy song. Uh, very, very classic. like it. Yeah, I also really appreciate uh, this top five we keep doing because it makes me feel a little more intimate about some tracks that I haven't been intimate about in the past. Right. So, uh, yeah, taking that sentiment and moving forward. Well, you know how I like to do typically my intro to my top five is, uh, maybe kind of a cheesy song. It's a little bit of a joke and fits into the theme. This one is kind of that, but it's a little bit more serious. Um, my intro to this is going to be Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. Hey! Now in the street there is violence And then a lot of work to be done No place to hang out or washing And then I can't blame all on the sun Oh no, we're gonna rock down to Electric
Yeah, so this is another one of the songs that you might, uh, if you had only heard it once or twice in your life, I mean, depending on your age, maybe you've never heard it before, which is weird to me, who uh, has heard this song a lot. Um, you might just think that it's just another kind of rando 80s song, but listen to those lyrics, you, yeah, you get the picture of what it's like to live in the urban jungle where everybody fights really hard and scraps by to survive. And I there's, freaking love this song. Yeah, there's just not enough to kind of go around in that setting. And uh, I don't have a... I didn't fucking prepare I, shit. I'm just you know, so... I'm so shocked that this, har- this song is so difficult to find on Spotify. What? Yeah, so if you're hearing it on the playlist, you might be hearing the Power Man 5000 cover. Uh, who, knows how, <laughs> who knows how I'm going to work that one out. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, uh, there you go. It's a song from the past that many have forgotten or forgotten what it's about, but uh, it's got a message and is uh, still relevant today. That's my number five. All right. My number four is Steve Earle. Think about burning it down. internal monologue of a man who is jobless and disillusioned and sitting in a car in a Walmart parking lot with 10 gallons of gas and some propane 
and the intent to commit arson in although he never does before the end of the song much can be said about the benefits of big box stores in low-income communities versus the impacts of small local business ownership and the disputed job creation benefits provided by a non-union corporate entity whose workers are primarily low-wage earners uh, whose part-time status often precludes them from benefits and retirement. But this is not just a Walmart problem, in my opinion, or an American problem or uh, by any means. I will say living legend Steve Earle has made his feelings about Walmart pretty clear. He hates it. And he said about the song in an interview, he's got a pretty elaborate rig in his truck, so he's probably doing more than just thinking about it. It's not me, it's the character saying it, but I feel strongly uh, about Walmart, and the song says in a strong way what I feel, so I took the rest. Now, I've got to pray that nobody actually burns a Walmart down. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we don't, we're not trying to condone that. So my next one is a jaunty little tune uh, from a band that I really like. Uh, and was kind of just itching to put in a top five somewhere. Uh, This is Get Set Go with In the Name of All That's Evil. Can't afford to eat cause I got no money And my check comes late next week I'm so sick of paying bills And I'm tired of taking heat I'm all worn down to the bone and my car don't got no gas And I can't get around the bus cause I can't afford the pass And it's hard enough to say that you can't make it through the day And it is hard enough to prove that there is something left of you When you have slaved away the day Yeah, this is a band that I like a whole lot and I wouldn't know about were it not for them uh, playing a show in the record store next to my coffee shop back in Salt Lake City all them years ago. Uh, But they've got a lot of great stuff, which is it's, you know, kind of a first world problems kind of, you know, pop rock band. But uh, so they, they do talk a lot about being broke and being lonely and having a whole lot of failure issues and everything. And they they I relate to them because I'm a little bit of a misanthrope and just kind of can't stand to be around people. They got some good songs about that. But yeah. 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 That's usually how it goes. What I got for my next pick is the 1995 pulp classic song Common People by uh, from the album Different Class. She told me that her time was loaded. I said my case on the room Coca-Cola. She said fine. And then in 30 seconds time, she said, I wanna live like common people. I wanna do whatever common people do Wanna sleep with common people I wanna sleep with common people like you 
himself uh, did not have working class roots, but he wrote what would become an anthemic song uh, from the perspective of a working class man who resents the cultural voyeurism of a posh girl who likes to go slumming for fun. It's a fun, dancey tune. I guess I'm glad to say that I had never uh, come across anybody who fetishized my own uh, poverty I've lived most of my life, you know, underneath that economic line, uh, even though I've done all right for myself, you know, but I've, I've never had much to show for it. And I've certainly never had any uh, connections and or influence or anything of that nature, you know, and I've, I've never seen anybody like uh, look up to me for that. But I do know it's a thing. It's, it's some amount of, you know, uh, co-opting a culture. I do like pulp a lot, and, and what I like about this song and a lot of what they do is I like how this uh, builds up and, you know, and just kind of intensifies through the entire course of it. Oh, it definitely uh, does. Yeah, they, they've got a really great sound, and um, yeah, no, it's a great pick. I had I had to pick a at least a Britpop tune. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that would be more obvious to pick. Oh, I I had to I had to sh- shove away a few songs about uh, from, <laughs> from Ireland and about the the potato famine. I tried to make I tried to make this song a little bit more of an an, uh, an American experience, I like Fievel, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah. All right. So what's your next? Well. Keeping in the Fievel vein, no. Um, my next song, this was actually the, the first one that came to mind when we started talking about it, and then I'm going to seat it directly in the center of the playlist. Uh, this is I Need a Dollar by Aloe Black. I had a job, but the boss man let me go. 
sorrow. Maybe it's inside the bottle. Maybe it's inside the bottle. I had some good old buddies. Holy shit, I love that song so much. Yeah, uh, yeah, it came out in 2010, but it's it's so genuinely classic. Uh, it's got a really great sound to it. Uh, really simple and straightforward on the composition. Um, I've heard this song come up so many times. I've, been, I've heard it so many times that you've played it. It's been sampled also by so many people. Yeah. I think that was actually how I came through it. Is, uh, you remember uh, Daniel that we used to work with all those years and years back? Oh my God, yes. He got with the uh, League of Extraordinary G's out of Austin yeah. years back. And he showed me a track he put together with them that was sampling that. Oh, bless that was my first hearing it back in you know 2011 wow. or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a really great song and it, it captures everything that we're going for here. Oh, it's so good. All right. For my next song, I'm going to pick a song that I think we've all heard before because it's pop music. Uh, no. This is from 2013. Please don't. It burns. <laughs> which a lot of my tracks are from uh, right now. I don't know if I'm like making a statement about 2013 uh, and Wasted Potential, but mm. I... I will say that this song Shots is fired. It's from 2013. It's from Lord. The song is Royals. I've never seen a diamond in the flesh. I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies. And I'm not proud of my address. In the torn up town, no postcode envy. But every song's like gold teeth, gray goose tripping in the bathroom, bloodstains, ball gowns, trash in the hotel room. We don't care. We're driving Cadillacs in our dreams. But everybody's like crystal, Maybach, diamonds on your timepiece, jet planes, islands, tigers on a gold leash. We don't care. We aren't caught up in your love affair, and we'll never be royal. Crave a different kind of buzz Let me be your ruler. ruler You can call me Queen Bee And baby I'll rule, I'll rule. I'll rule. Let me live that fantasy My friends and I, we've cracked the code We count our dollars on the train To the party and everyone who knows us knows That we're fine with this We didn't come for money But every song's like gold teeth, gray goose Dripping in the bathroom, bloodstains, ball gowns Trash in the hotel room, we don't care We're driving Cadillacs in our dreams But everybody's like crystal So Lord in this song is expressing her disapproval of the disgusting excess and luxury golden lifestyles presented by contemporary artists and rich kids of Instagram. On one hand, the kids in her song aren't tempted by the ostentatiousness of uh, wealth and they can't relate to it and they think it's fake and stupid. 
and they're living their best lives. Uh, she also says we're driving Cadillacs in our dreams before unleashing the line, let me live that fantasy. But considering she was a teenager when she wrote this, uh, I think she can be forgiven for having an ambivalent kind of message on the topic. Uh, I love her songs, I love her videos, and I love that she she wrote this song right before she became famous as fuck. Yeah, you know, I had wondered that for a while. Um, insofar as the aesthetic and the character that she holds and put puts forward i've come to the understanding that you know it's pretty genuine and it's something that's taken over the scene as as of the last five years or so is that just like we were talking about with pulp with that kind of that idolatry of poverty and about how kind of it's it's now cool to look down on people of simpler means. Well, and, I actually, and, you know, I think to, what Lord is trying to do is different. She's actually trying to celebrate people of modest means. You know, I had a song that I wanted to put on this, and I decided not to because it's far too much of a celebration. So, uh, yeah, from my number two on the lead up. So I found this uh, in the search when I was looking through it, and I was I was quite pleased to find this artist by the name of David Rovix, a longstanding anarchist folk singer who's who's doing that classic folk style even today. And there was another song that I wanted to include, but I'm not. Uh, but yeah, this this great song, Rent Party. Bank is empty. Card is full And no matter How hard I pull The car don't move The rent is due I'm not sure What else to do Get a job Perhaps I should Pulling shots Or hauling wood It's a bit too late Right now for that so in the meantime, here's my hat Cause this world I can't afford I'm throwing a party for my landlord Cause this world I can't afford I'm throwing a party for my landlord My landlord is a company which takes away all my money As well as that of half the town They're slumlords of great renown The Randall Group, the group of Randall You can bet they don't need to panhandle They own my building, they might own yours Along with all of your mold spores Cause this world I can't afford I'm throwing a party for my landlord Cause this world I can't afford I'm throwing a party for my landlord Cause at that time yeah, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a rent party before I've been to at least one uh, and it was it was a lot of fun to get a couple of your neighbors together that have bands and you get a keg of beer and you charge people five dollars to come to your backyard and uh, check out your neighbor's band and have some free beer. And when it's all done, you 
hope that you paid for the beer and have the money to now pay the rent. Um, yeah, uh, David Rovix is a longtime anarchist and activist and, and folk singer, and he's still out there now putting together, putting out a lot of really relevant and on-the-moment uh, material for us, and I, I think everybody should check him out. We're going to play a little bit more in and around this episode. So for my for my final pick, I'm choosing an art, uh, rapper from Harlem. Uh, this is Cameron. I hate my job. Uh. Yo, I hate my boss. Dude, think he know it all, and I know I know it all, but I follow protocol. Hope he's sitting in the casket. Got me sitting in traffic. It's 7 a.m. And I woke up late, didn't even have a shower Lunch break, give me a break, a damn half an hour All this bullshit for 12 bucks an hour Plug me to Chuck D, wanna fight the power Instead, I like to sour before I go in the office Being here eight hours, sure, get your nausea Lady across from me, telling me a problem I'm looking at her like, yo Fuck, I'm going solve it. You know our ethnicity. Car, no rent. Don't forget electricity. Internet, cable, and the phone all connected. Food, gas, tolls. Oh, now it's getting hectic. Brand new clothes. Now you'd rather see me naked. Yo, check it. I got my check. Now I'm feeling disrespectful. Why am I working here? It ain't working here. It ain't worth it here, I'm never gonna persevere Ain't no money for new shoes or purses here Should've done my first career, huh? Nursing, yeah Now I'm sitting here thinking about the work I put in This verse from the everyday working woman I put on my pants, put on my shoes I pray to God, paid all my dues I'm trying to win, seem like I was born to lose All I can say I say let me let me through, but they don't let me through. You wanna quit? Quit. God damn, I'm ready to ready. Lifestyle I'm living ain't steady, not at all. All I can say, hey yo, I'm looking for a job. Ain't nobody hiring. Then I ask the boss, what y'all doing firing? You admire. Rapper Cameron, who's from Harlem. Uh, came out with this album around uh, 2013, just like literally everything else I picked. And this song is for everyone who struggles and can't find a way to be upwardly mobile. I'm definitely glad that uh, we've got some hip hop going here. We could have definitely had more. But again, we're not being broad about economic injustice. We're talking about more specific stuff. So there's a broad range still to work with there. Uh, so yeah, that was a good one for your number one. And I think that mine is too. My number one is by Guante, and this is You Say a Millionaire Like It's a Bad Thing. This place is a prison and these people aren't your friends Ain't no postal service when it's always Sunday in your head Letters unsent, burning that candle at both ends In the break room, ready to burn Halfway to broke, halfway to broken down This job makes you nauseous, you try to hold it down And they will take every opportunity to comment on your luck Cause in this economy you gotta be like bottoms up Even when you know it's poor 
poison, yo You feeling well? Like a body that's so hungry it begins to eat itself Bootstrap so tight you can't admit to needing help On the rail, feel like hell you want it to all stop Sidash the manager making small talk Try to stay focused You casually glance at your watch And see that you are halfway To being halfway To being halfway done with half of half of your day uh, Punch that clock till it bleeds It feels like they're trying to break us So, wow, this is one of my favorite songs of all time Thank you so much for picking it Yeah, um yeah, not, not the first one that I thought of, but definitely coming up quick, and I owe it to your sister, actually, for showing me this song. Holy shit! Yeah, um, so shout out to Sarah. But, yeah, this this song is so great, and we, there are plenty of other songs that I kind of thought about that are also hip-hop, and are also, I thought about 9 to Fiverr's Anthem by Aesop Rock. And we actually did have a, a discussion about... Uh, Songs about economic disparity and wanting change versus just songs about uh, kind of feeling economic despair right now. Right. Yeah, but it's it's hard to look away from how right now is influencer. It's kind of painted by certain institutions and systems. And uh, one of those is the distribution of wealth. And sometimes, yeah, you can't help but think about how your immediate financial situation is a byproduct of those larger uh, sweeping institutions. And so that's why the song is, is really great. It kind of, uh, you know, at the end here, it kind of scales together, you know, how you can look at it. Um, a million dollars is like so much more than I could ever hope to have at a single time. Wake up. So if you got a dollar in your pocket, put your hands in the air. Ten dollars in your pocket, put your hands in the air. If it's a hundred or a thousand, that's fair. But there's no such thing as an innocent millionaire. If you got a dollar in your pocket, eat a taco. Ten dollars, buy some peanut butter and some bread. If you got a hundred or a thousand, you can stock up. But a million may as well be human flesh. If you got a dollar in your pocket, drink some water. Ten dollars, you can have a beer with your lunch. If you got a hundred or a thousand, you can dig your own well. And for a million, you can drink all the blood you can suck. That dollar in your pocket is an insult. Ten dollars in your pocket ain't enough. The reason that so many of us are have-nots is the haves have way too much. Let's get them. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, hey, anybody, you uh, you got some issue with what we've picked here? Come at me at we're trying show at gmail.com. We've resorted this. Come at us. Yeah, come at us. We're, we're just going to get a little bit you know more aggressive about it and start putting down our genuine listeners until some of you respond uh, via email. Uh, yeah, that's that sounds like a great business model. That's how things are going to move forward in the next ten years under under the light of everything. You will be you will be goaded and bullied into products a little bit more directly than you are already. Yeah, we're just doing what's already happening to you. Yeah. So thanks everybody for Thank listening to the show. We want to give a big shout out to KBSR Black Sparrow Digital Radio for having us on. Uh, we want to thank everybody for hearing us out from the start to the finish. I know who you are. You've listened the whole way through, and you're a golden person because of that. 
uh, great things will come your way. Uh, subscribe to our email. Get your golden status uh, card in the mail. Yeah, that's a thing that we're totally doing. And uh, go to KBSR and get up on that Patreon and start donating to all the people that are trying to put out this great stuff for you. And uh, yeah, everything's tough out there right now. Everybody hang in there. Hang uh, in there. It's going to be a rough summer. It's going to be a rough winter. But uh, we'll be here for you because we know that you need us. You do. You do. You do. Thanks for listening. That's Jen. That's Joe. Apparently. And we're trying. Sit down.